Hello everyone, I'm Farba Amir and I am a research analyst with the Stinson Center's Energy, Water and Sustainability Program. I'm really excited for today's conversation as I'm joined by the multi-hyphenated physicist, climate scientist and author, Dr. Giulio Boccoletti, and we'll be talking about his new book, Water, Our Biography. Welcome, Giulio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Let's drive straight into our conversation. So undoubtedly, water is a magic that sustains lives. And in your book, uh, Giulio, you emphasize how water has played a critical role in shaping humanity since the beginning of time. I was wondering if you'd want to share with our listeners one particular period from history which really stood out to you during your research as almost a parallel to the modern world's water crisis. Sure. Um, well, you know, the book uh, covers enormous amounts of ground. It starts 10,000 years ago and reaches the present. But there are a number of places where the analogies with today are very obvious. And one in particular is the late Bronze Age, when uh, mm -hmm. the Mediterranean was covered by a vast system of trade that went from Scandinavia all the way to the Indus. And it was made up of a system of powerful countries locked into what we would see today are international relations. And uh, they were interestingly susceptible to climate and climate change. That is ultimately what brought them down. And particularly the analogy that I find interesting with today is the fact that migrations in response to changes in climate the changes in water distribution were ultimately the proximate cause for a collapse of that international system of trade and uh, and relations. And so in that sense, the sort of 12th century BCE, the end of the Bronze Age, is a good analog for, in some ways, today's predicament. Excellent and very interesting indeed. And you touched upon international relations and international systems. So, Julio, I work on water and climate diplomacy, especially in conflict-prone regions with transboundary water resources where politics often supersedes effective resource governance. And you touch upon that as well just now and in your emphasis on how water should be at the heart of geopolitical reasoning. Would you like to shed some light on the importance of that connection for everyone listening today? Well, the story of water is a story of politics and geopolitics in the sense that the protagonists of the water story are political institutions, and ultimately decisions about water are decisions about sovereignty, and there are decisions that involve the exercise of enormous amounts of power on the landscape. And so in that sense, it's an eminently political and geopolitical issue. And one of the things that I draw out in the book across time and even in the presence is the way in which uh, you know the development of water, particularly modernity, which requires enormous amounts of finance and resources, has become an instrument in geopolitics. First in the 20th century with the rise of the American hydraulic state and the modernist project that spread across the world. And of course now in the 21st century with the role that China is playing as plumber in chief of the world and, and, uh, and a great force of transformation of the landscape. So geopolitics runs along the entire story of water. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more because this is what we see in our daily research and work on the subject as well. And now um, to conclude, uh, where are we headed in terms of our water future? What do you think the world needs to do to keep nature on its side? Well, you know, that in the end is the question that prompted me to write the book in the first place. I feel like we are at a bit of a juncture. You know, the 20th century, the great gift of the 20th century, but also poison chalice in many ways, was the illusion that we had managed to once and for all control nature. And now we see all around us that because in part of uh, climate change and in part because of the failure 
of institutions and infrastructure that were put in place about a century ago because of that failure because of climate change, that illusion is breaking. And so we're now confronted with this question of where do we go next and what do we do? And one of the reasons I wrote the book was to elevate the issue of water out of discussions about engineering and science alone and bring it into the realm of politics, politics with a big P. Because in the end, questions about water are questions about the landscape. There are questions about what we want our home to look like. And therefore, they're ultimately questions about citizenship about who should have the power to decide what our homes look like, who should have the power to decide what we do with our landscape and how we live together in a landscape of water that moves around us. And so, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know where we're headed, but I do believe that uh, it is only by having that conversation under the disinfecting light of politics that we can really have a shared sense uh, of what a commonwealth of water looks like. And that's why, you know, I think the history of water matters a great deal to illuminate what our next steps uh, might be. Excellent. And um, key takeaway, uh, the question of water is essentially a question of what we want our homes to look like. I'm going to um, take away that and ponder more on it. Thank you so much for your time. I hope the book does wonders and more power to you for working on this subject. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much.